I think most of the non-creative jobs today would be automated in a decade or so. So the next bigger problem that the tech world is trying to solve is find people who are not just problem solvers, find people who are creative problem solvers. Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. Abhishek Koshik is the CEO and co-founder of WCP, a one-of-a-kind tech screening platform that helps recruiters and hiring managers evaluate developers faster and more efficiently. Abby's goal is to make the hiring process straightforward and efficient by adding a skill test to the tech recruitment process. By implementing these ideas, they've been able to reduce the total time to hire for most of their clients by 90% or more. In this episode, we chat with Abby about the future of tech recruitment, and if you have been job hunting recently, you will know that you cannot avoid technology anymore in the recruitment process at every professional level. It's all-encompassing and it's important to understand preparing for those conversations that are happening online in the digital and virtual world. And Abby is passionate about first principles in helping answer problems and job interviews are all about answering questions. So it will be interesting for you to have a listen. I also like his take about self-learning and professional development in these times of change and the importance of just being creative and having creative solutions, not only for your own problems, but for your future employers as well. I hope you enjoy this episode and this interview with Abhishek Koshik and please listen to it now. I'll see you later. A good place for us to start, Abby, would be for us to tell the listeners a bit about of your career story, you know, and I'd love to hear about your background and what took you from, let's say, a high school student to somebody who is now opening up and co-founding a business. How did that happen? All right. So uh, I started my college in India from National Institute of Technology. Uh, just, just started, you know, my education there uh, after school and, you know, learn programming and used to do a lot of coding with my roommate, participate in uh, contests, etc. So I had developed programming skills in my university. And then from there, it took off thinking about problems, solving them through tech. That's how we got more exposure and, you know, got a chance to work with Google in, in my summers. And then, you know, had some job offers as well from Microsoft and companies in India as well. But then I was always passionate about building something on my own. And it was just fun. I didn't know what business is, what companies, what does it mean to start a company, etc. It just, just came on the way, but I just, just wanted to do something on my own, create something. Built. So, you know, eager to build, you know, things or actually took me ahead in the career. So. Yeah. Did you end up turning down those job offers or did you take them and, you know, experimented having an employee at first and then decided to open up your business? How did that happen? For companies, the offers that I got from US, I turned them down. And then when I worked for uh, one company in, in Bangalore just to survive uh, for the initial few months, just a very, very period of time, I, I did take a work. 
But then I was inside, I was doing my company as well. So pretty much purely, you know, I started up, didn't involve much. Was it hard to make that decision? Like, you know, with parents, was there any pressure for you to take a job instead of opening up your business? Or did you have a supportive community of people and family behind you and your ideas? Because it has always been tricky for me. How has it been for you? Yeah. <laughs> No, it was all supported. In fact, like, you know, there was no problem at all because I think I never thought about like, what he, what will I do working and what will I do with the money, etc. So there was never a concern, neither with, with the problem, uh, neither that was the concern for my, for my family because we live a very minimalistic life. So we had zero aspirations as such. But then, you know, so that thought never struck like, hey, if I lose a job, you know, something bad's going to happen. So that was never a thought, right? In my family or in fact, in me as well. So it was just, just fun. I was just enjoying and my parents used to ask, hey, uh, what's going on? Kya chal I, don't, I used to be like, hey, it's all good. I'm doing, I'm writing this, I'm reading this. Uh -huh. So pretty much. And then finances was not a concern because um, I did my internships where I, you know, where I got some good salaries, etc. And then used to win, participate in some contests. So get some prizes, goodies, etc. So like mm -hmm. really never realized that I was going to go down if I lose a job. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I, I think that the best times to start businesses is when you're very young or when you're like my age. It's easier to manage the finances and also your time because you want to dedicate that time to build your business. And let's say if you're in your 30s and you have like kids and family and bills to pay and all of that, then it's much harder, I have found. So you're doing it right. Now, you know, you're an entrepreneurial person. Why recruitment? It just happened. But recruitment just happened. There's no as such plan to get into recruitment. Yeah, because you so could I, have done anything, right? Like you could be coding, you know, in any yeah. sector, industry area. Like what was the spark that made you choose, okay, no, recruitment needs my help. I need to be in this type of work. What happened? So, um, like I said, it just happened. And then, you know, before building a recruitment tech, actually, I built a couple of products in developer tools, build few things around, you know, automating the jobs for developers, etc. So definitely there was a alignment towards solving problems for developers, but because I was a developer and most daily problems and common problems that I would have is related to, you know, programming and, you know, solving the repeated problems and that happens to developers, etc. So. Before recruitment, I was most into developer tech, but then I continued with recruitment because I had, you know, customers who were ready to pay or express their problems very clearly to me. And then we decided that, Hey, look, let's not get into shiny objects, you know, building something which, which might take some time to get a product market fit. If we have this PMF done for initial customers and then they're like global customers. So let's just solve the problem for them. And we continued solving the recruiting problem for people who believed in us. So like, yeah, this is how VCP came up just, just to, you know, if your next question is about, you know, why this name, we create problems. So just, just want to say we used to design programming problems in my universities. So programming problem was like those problems, questions for hiring contests and that sparked, you know, starting recruitment. So we asked ourselves, Hey, what do we do every day? So we answered for ourselves, we create problems. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very cheeky name. I mean, we create problems. The name of your business is it's a very cheeky name, but it works for you, doesn't it? It makes sense. Yeah, right, right. 
and then we later build our own software mm-hmm. and you know problems in our software and now we are a full-fledged software for wedding programmers against skill set productivity okay now before we deep dive into recruitment and recruitment tech what has been the key strength that has helped you build your business and you know achieve the goals that you're achieving now what is it that you're very good at that has helped you in your business right i think i, I never thought about it so much uh, because mm-hmm. hey what what's friends are but i think what works for me is never giving up and or empathy for others because i never gave up i could keep myself going and because mm-hmm. empathy for others i can keep others going with me mm-hmm. right so this this thought has uh, worked for me uh, always and pretty much that, that's what i see working for me great well abby you have the strength of perseverance my father would call it stubbornness <laughs> but yeah now that you need that as a founder and an entrepreneur you have to have that yeah. never giving sure. up mentality yeah i also want to add one more thing so in the you know career when i started up i feel like you know when you start up any business or for that matter any career you undergo three stages so say when you have so for me when i had no product and no customer you know i needed to learn perception management which is mm-hmm. you know hey story setting the right perspective about yourself so you know that i had to learn that hey how do i tell my story to the world so that people believe and that, you know i can get a customer so right so perception management is the first stage so it, it goes in until you find your first customer yeah then the moment you find a customer and you don't have a product then there'll be a lot of panic because <laughs> there will be panic inside your internal team and panic you know among your customers so then you need to learn panic management so that's the second stage <laughs> yes so then you need to tell to your customers hey look we are solving this problem don't worry this will get solved and tell to your employees as well and then, you know as a leader you need to learn panic management when your product is fixed and when you've got a customer and a product both then you need you to learn people management so reception management panic management and people management are the three stages that you know helps you navigate your journey better Uh, I've never heard of these three P's, Abby. Did you come up with that or did you find that in a book or somewhere? No, no, I came up with this. You came up? I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, you described very succinctly the beginning of a startup, right? Because you always start with zero clients and products and you have to build it up from there. And no wonder so many companies fail in that first year. It's because it can be really difficult to go from zero to 100. Where are you now with your business with Create Problems? I mean, tell me about your clients and the sort of work that you're developing in 20 2022 so uh the vcp is you know is quite a leader in the market we be trusted by like many fortune 50 companies we a lot of global system integrators gsis are our customers large enterprises are our customers we are you know fully bootstrapped company and we are roughly uh, you know a million dollar ahead in our revenue and that too we hit this revenue in nearly 16 to 20 months and we are roughly 20 plus people now you know full time and many many others like who works with us remotely and part time as well yeah we are we're global now and we serve customers in US UK uh, India as well wow okay excellent well congratulations tell me about the service that you provide so when one of those you know global companies come to you what is it that they want you to what problem is it that they want you to solve for them right so one of the key step in 
technical hiring or, or for that matter, any hiring is the uh, candidate screening. So if I have to describe you the talent acquisition process in simple four steps, the first step is called talent sourcing. The second is called talent or uh, screening. The third is called talent interviewing. And the fourth step is called talent onboarding. So the second and third step is our product. So, you know, we give a tool to our customers where they can screen a candidate on their skills and productivity. And they can also interview them face to face and you know, judge their attitude and judge their soft skills. So these are two integrated in one tool and, and customers can you know, perform these two vital steps in their talent acquisition. Now, the first step and the last step, which is talent sourcing and talent onboarding respectively, there are different, different tools that integrate with our product. Yeah. So sort of like it, it builds a workflow for, you know, recruiting leaders. There's a one tool where you can, you know, source all the candidates, screen them, interview them, and in one click, you can onboard them to your payroll and other systems. So that's what VCP, you know, does, and we save enormous amount of time and cost. So in terms of the sort of candidates that would go through your system, what sort of talent these organizations that are clients of yours are trying to source in the market? Are they like uh, mainly developers? Are they tech professionals or any type of professionals? Yeah, it is, it is mostly tech professionals. So there are three categories of, you know, people who are judged on our, our tool and all of them are techies. So one, one is entry level, which is equal three years of experience. And the second is mid-level keys, which is three to five years of experience. And then senior techies, which is five plus years of experience. So these three, you know, age groups of, of people are screened and vetted on our tool. Yeah. All right. Now, I think that, you know, I used to work for a university and we had a very big incubator program and I was fascinated by yeah. startup and yeah. tech, you know, at the time that was 2017, 16, 17, 18. I was really into ag tech, you know, agricultural technology and, and oh health tech, all of that. And then when I stepped out of that role and decided to start my business as a career coach, I became more and more fascinated with recruitment tech and job portals and in the way that we can integrate talent with people that need them, you know, be it companies or be it other individuals, you know, I think it's fascinating that we have places like Five or Freelance.com or you know, those marketplaces where you can just um, acquire talent for hours or minutes or, you know, short-term contracts all the way to something like what you do with your business, which is onboarding into large organizations. find it fascinating. And I think there's such great potential and for growth in, in all of that. But for the job candidate, there's just so much challenge for them, right? Like <laughs> maybe not so much for the technologists that you are screening and interviewing. But in general, I find that my listeners really crave to learn more about the future of recruitment and what it will look like in the future. I'm hoping that having a business like yours, you would have thought and reflected about that. Sure, you know, if they're trying to change jobs and they're going to be screened, you know, evaluated, how do you prepare for all of that technology? Is this a great question. So I think most of the non-creative jobs today, right, would be automated in a decade or so. So, you know, the next bigger problem that 
the tech world is trying to solve is, you know, find people who are not just problem solvers, find people who are creative problem solvers, right? So you kind of like the entire tech world is looking for people who can do creative problem solving, creative problem solving, you know, simply solving problem creatively, which is otherwise not possible to do it conventionally. So I see that, you know, most of the job hunters would see this, that the employers, especially in the tech world, uh, the employers would not just, you know, look for problem solvers. They would look for creative problem solvers because, you know, conventional thinking has a definite, you know, and then that's why creativity or uh, just enormous potential comes into the picture. Now, mm-hmm. I feel, uh, I feel creative thinking can be self-taught. Like people say, hey, creativity is a, is a natural skill. You know, how can this come in, you know, people, uh, knowledge workers, etc. But I feel creativity can be self-taught. At, at least creative thinking, not creativity. What I mean is creative thinking can be self-taught, if not implementation. Yeah, okay. Right? Not be great at implementing the creative, uh, you know, outcomes that you that came off from your brain, but you can definitely do creative things. And, and that, that can be self-taught. And I think the best tool to, you know, uh, develop creative thinking is to think through first principles. I think that's something that always works. And yeah, I think if you see today, job functions like marketing or sales, right? The conventional methods have failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Right? The only ways that works in today, works in sales and marketing are creative ways. You'll see companies trying different, different creative, you know, ways of marketing and doing sales because the conventional method have failed. And behind the scene, engineers are helping them a lot do that, right? Yeah. So if you see that tools are coming of which engineers are writing. So engineers are also participating in creative thinking along with marketers and sales. So I think the other job functions as well, like engineering, customer success, and you no know, similar other job functions would demand a lot of creativity. Like even if you're programming, you know, building a website, you need to do creative thinking now. You can't just, yeah. just play it and, you know, build a landing page. You need to do a lot of creative thinking to be able to, you know, build such systems. And yeah. I, I really like what you've just said. I like this idea of being self-taught because especially if you're job hunting and if you're looking for work on a tight budget, you know, that there's this old fashioned view that you need to go back to uni, do another master's degree, when in fact there's just so much that you could do that is self-learning and personal development. And the creative thinking is an important part of that. You mentioned first principles been listening to a podcast on different ways of thinking and how to use that to make better decision making. I'm finding it very hard <laughs> to listen to that episode. I've, I've told my son, you know, I've had to listen it a couple of times. And we were joking about that. But I think this idea of thinking in first principles really interesting. We haven't discussed that in this podcast before. Do you mind spending a little time explaining that a little further? Yeah, yeah, sure. I think first principles are, in simple words, first principles are undeniable truths, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like if you look at divide and conquer strategy of, you know, thinking and solving problems, see, you need a basic assumption, you know, to, to be able to answer anything, right? So I always think you can answer only by two ways. Either you know the answer or you assume the answer. And, you know, knowing the answer is not possible because there are million questions. You can't just go and learn answers to all the questions. So what you need to do is like get better at assuming the answer, right? The, the more you do first principle thinking, the better you get at assumption and the better you get at predictions and the better you get at, you know, 
decisioning and solving problems. So in nutshell, uh, first principles is thinking is about knowing the undeniable truths. And that comes mostly by, you know, introspecting yourself, learning from life experiences, you know, talking to people who have a lot of experience, reading books, you know, as well. Excellent advice, especially because, you know, as you walk into a job interview or you, you know, log into a job interview these days, it, it's all yeah. online. People sometimes are, are feeling quite anxious and nervous, flooding their bodies with stress hormones, and then they underperform because they're trying to practice, you know, the day before and and it's all very last minute. Whereas if you're working from first principles, and working from assumptions that, you know, you have a problem at hand, they will be providing you, the question is a problem. And the answer is in your work experience, your skills, your traits, and the way that you produce your work. And you can just recall that much easier, right? Like, rather than just trying to remember things you've practiced for. But that's my view as a coach as well, is always to make sure that people remember that they're good at what they do. <laughs> and it's just a matter of bringing that up when you're asked. For those who want to learn more about first principles and all of that, I'll put a book and the podcast I was mentioning before in the episode show notes. So the podcast is from the Jolly Swagman podcast. And that will be listed below. It's the most recent episode. And then the book is one of my favorite books called Shop Class as a Soul Craft by mm -hmm. Matthew Crawford. And again, a great read by somebody who went back to university only to realize that he had all the answers all along by being an electrician and always thinking, you know, what's wrong with this piece of engine and how can I fix it? And, uh, you know, basically that's the best way to solve any problem is having yeah. those hypotheses and then going through the problem step by step. All right. So that, that's such an interesting take. I wasn't expecting us to go there, but going back to recruitment technology and what the job hunters will have to get ready for, do you feel that the pandemic and the lockdowns, I mean, I read this morning that Apple has once again delayed its return to office plans because it's, you know, they, they just can't do it yet. They, they're a bit desperate to go back to the office, but they had to delay it once again. It's not the first time that they have announced a, a delay. Do you think that with um, the pandemic, it has a accelerated the investment in technology and maybe the haphazard adoption of things. So I'll give you an example, Abby. I have clients that have been interviewed by chatbox, interviewed by bots on the phone, you know, that call the person, the robot calls the person and asks the person to answer an interview question in three minutes. And then at every minute, the robot will say, you have two minutes left. And that is so disconcerting and so hard for the candidate to, you know, feel comfortable doing it. We haven't really normalized it yet. Yeah. How do you see that normalizing in the future? I think, yes, you pointed out correctly, uh, COVID definitely has, you know, like companies like streamline their recruitment. And I feel the use of, you know, recruitment tech uh, during COVID accelerated and, you know, at least the companies realize the value of screening people remotely, interviewing people remotely uh, instead of wasting time during walk-ins. 
So it was, you know, for many of our customers, that's a good realization. But then, you know, companies coming to back to office is like, you know, the time has to say what's going to happen. So normalizing of things in recruitment, uh, I, I don't expect that to happen uh, because once you shift to a deck and you realize the value of, you know, and then it's very difficult to leave that deck, right? So I don't mm-hmm. think things would, would be going back to conventional way of hiring. I feel the tech has evolved much now. You know, number of walk-ins will definitely decrease. Companies would try to vet candidates before talking to them, you know, before giving them in live interviews. But I do see that, like, you know, the, the face-to-face interaction will, you know, return back because companies would still want to personally meet and shake hands, you know, see and be more close to the candidates and employees. Yeah. So I think that will happen. And in the technology that you're developing for your product, what are you foreseeing for the interview part of that four-stage recruitment process? Yeah, recruitment, uh, see, we already have our interview product, which is, you know, quite like evolved now. In the last two years, we've worked so much into making interviews more post. Is it direct to camera interviewing or is it a, a platform where they see the employer or the, the recruiter on screen as well? Yeah, they see on screen. So it's like face-to-face interaction. Okay. Like, so it, it, it allows you to do face-to-face conversation as well as you can do whiteboarding, you can do coding, you can do, you know, chat. And so a lot of those small, small tools that, you know, gives you more personalized feeling. Now, one of the things with, that we worked on uh, improving our interviews was, hey, how do you make candidates feel more relaxed? Because, you know, like ice breaking is easier in physical offices, but not on remote meetings, right? In the physical offices, like you, the person has to look around and, you know, gets and there's some informal chats that happen before you actually start the interview. You go meet other people, but in remote, you know, setup, the candidates are quite nervous and then they feel, hey, what's going to happen next? So one of the problems that we're trying to solve here, if a candidate comes in, how do we break the ice and then how we make them comfortable with it before the interview walks in? Or either, you know, that is true for interviewers as well. And how do we make both these people very comfortable? So, you know, we are doing some psychological things there. We are trying to do, you know, put some tools. We're trying to, so for example, you know, we send a notification to interviewer and we send a notification to um, candidate that this is an ice breaking. There's no interview going to happen in the next two minutes, right? And this is what he likes. This is what you like, etc. So we're trying to experiment around, make face-to-face interviews more, more physical friendly. So let's see what happens, but that's one of the problems that we're trying to solve. That's very interesting and very nice of you. Thank you for, for doing that. What are your best tips for professionals that are willing to do, to become better leaders and better, you know, colleagues in 2022 in terms of using and adopting technology and making people feel comfortable in sort of online interviews and online meetings? How do you think people can help others feel comfortable in those difficult situations? There are two parts to the question. The first is how do you, you know, get better in your career, you know, and become better professional or better leader. And the second is how to get comfortable during interviews. So I think the first, like there is no defined answer to like how to become a better professional or better person or a better leader. I think it's, it all comes from within and your natural skills should not get swammed away by the noises around. So I feel, you know, keep your natural skills um, there and 
and try to like everybody's born pure and natural right it's a noise that around us around the world that changes people a lot so i think build on top of your natural skills and try to do introspections every time not do the copycat thing in the world because there's too much of noise around to to becoming best or uh, best you know a leader or to be best professionals you know you need to you just need to start doing good today that's all and i think you just need to introspect a lot ask yourself more questions and then don't just just you know get into the noises around the world you just focus on what you want to achieve and focus on doing things yeah. i think you're you're much younger than me habia i'm assuming <laughs> and you know for professionals my age having to transition into this digital environment changes the social contract changes yeah. the i mean you mentioned before you know how you're trying to make the interviews more friendly and less stressful especially because yeah. they are done online so all of these things are of huge interest for myself as a coach coaching clients who are 40 year old or, or older and uh, that transition into that digital space and leading in the digital space and operating and managing projects in the digital space or just being part of a team when two years ago that wasn't the way that you connected with people you know it's all very different but for you i think not only you know i'm the hybrid generation you are just in the thick of it like you are born digital you know so because you operate so globally as well right that remote work is very common for you this is not a question it's just a reflection do you have anything yeah. that you would like to add to what i've just said or correct <laughs> yeah you know, i think adapting to the change in the world is so you can adapt better only when you have your pandas you know otherwise you'll get into a state of anarchy right you will get into a state of chaos you know you get better at adapting to the change only when you have your foundational understanding about change like you know pretty much there so i feel you're right in generations have changed for example most of the gen zs are today sitting on social media so recruiters go and hunt on social media they actually hire people from snapchat and instagram yeah so the times are changing and change is constant so what i think is you know you have to be connected to the world or uh, you need to have confidence you need to have conviction in the change uh, you need to also develop clarity a lot of clarity among yourself so it's just, just every day is a learning but don't get too much into believe in in your strengths believe in the first principle believe in the fund funders you know which can help you stay you know better and then perform and do best with the by adapting to the changes i think you're right that you know our generation is different from what yours is the problems are different perspective towards looking at the problems are different for everyone you know there's a chance to perform better you know when the change is happening so absolutely abby thank you so much for your time and for this interview it's been a pleasure talking to you and i hope that we keep in touch from now on and i will be watching wcp we create problems i love that name and making sure that the audience also knows how to connect with you thank you for sending me all of your links to your blogs and your twitter and your linkedin so i'll make sure to share that with the thank listeners in the episode show notes thank you renato thank you it was pleasure to meet you and speak to you thank you thanks bye 
Thank you for trusting me with your time and listening to Abby and I discuss the future of recruitment. And I hope you found this super interesting. Don't forget to check the episode show notes if you're interested in some of the things that we've mentioned. I've mentioned a book, I've mentioned another podcast. You might want to check it out. I will also put the links to Abby's Twitter, LinkedIn, and company in case you want to reach out to him or want to be a client or want to find out, you know, if you can apply for jobs through their systems. So have a look at those links. They will be in the episode show notes. If there's anything I can help you with, please don't hesitate to check my website, renatabernardi.com, R-E-N-A-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-R-D-E.com. I have coaching services there and it may help you in your job hunting process. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.